Bing bong. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another week of State of Bitcoin. I'm here with my co-host, Brandon. We are recording this on February 10th, 2022. And although we are in the same location, the same physical location, we uh, don't quite have the technology to film, <laughs> film a podcast uh, where we're both sitting like in the same room. So Brandon's upstairs. I'm downstairs. We each have one dog. Let's budget up. Yeah, we each have one dog in the room that we're in. Uh, so you might you might get a little bit of background noise today from the dogs, but I don't know. We'll see. Brandon, what's going on, man? Man, my life's in shambles at the moment. Uh, I just, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I first thing I did when I got up here, I was clearing, clearing the desk off to try to get ready to record. And I spilled my Michelob Ultra with the hint of lime all over the place. Uh, so, you know, not, a, not quite the hot start we're looking for, but, you know, uh, you know, big time players come up in big time and make big time plays. So, uh, you know, I'm looking to step up and it's a minor setback for a major comeback. And, you know, just I'm waiting for coach to give me another chance. And here I go. And yeah, to be clear to our audience, Michelob Ultra is not a, they're not a sponsor of the podcast. They might be in the future. They won't respond to our emails at the moment. Um, Brandon and I love sucking back a few Michelob Ultra limes. Um, so, Hey, no free ads. If Nicola, you want to send us a six or 12 or whatever, you know, we'll drink your beer. We'll, we'll try them. You know? Yeah. Even if it's like, you don't even have to pay us. Just send us the beers for free. Send us a gift card, go to the grocery store, pick them up, do something. I mean, that's the thing, Michelob. I, I don't you had Lance Armstrong for a while, but I think he's kind of fallen out of good graces with a lot of people. Like we might be the next big thing for Michelob. I don't know. Who knows, man? I don't want to like, you know, forecast into the future, but you know, I, I future is bright. All right, let's um let's talk a little bit about how we're changing things up. So we got some good feedback from uh, a couple of good friends of ours, and we're we're gonna start doing things that are maybe a little bit more opinionated, and we're gonna try to shorten things up a bit on the newsletter, on the podcast. I don't care how long we rip; we could rip for as long as we want, um, as long as there's good stuff to talk about. But on the newsletter, we're each now picking our top two or three stories from the week, and just kind of giving not only what the story is, but also our opinion about it. Um, so. We're doing that. We're also shortening up the on-chain stuff. It's just going to be very basic bullet points instead of graphs and trying to interpret graphs and things like that. And then, of course, we're always going to bring you uh, our favorite meme of the week. And then on the podcast, we're really just going to rip on the stories that we saw throughout the week. So that's what we're going to do today. And like I said, we each kind of picked our favorite stories from the week. And let's start with you, Brandon. What was on your radar this week? All right. Yeah. So the first one I'd like to talk about is, uh, you know, the Valkyrie funds launches the Bitcoin mining ETF. Uh, ticker WGMI, uh, as popular on the internet as we all make it. Uh, shout out DJ Khaled. Uh, so, I mean, this one got launched, uh, what was it, on, I think on Tuesday. Um, and it's, you know, it's the first Bitcoin mining ETF that's available in the United States. I know that there's a few other ones available, like uh, globally. I know there's a couple in Canada. Um, maybe they have uh, Bitcoin and ETH miners. Um, so I'd be interested to see if this is like the first, like strictly Bitcoin one, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we were, we were kind of talking about this before, uh, and we talked about this on our spaces, a decent amount, um, you know, and we, we actually, we wrote our newsletter about it on Monday. Um, so maybe it's the whole green candle bump that got, uh, got this old pass, but anyway, um, Valkyrie's launching it. Um, it's available for purchase. They're focusing on ESG or not on ESG on renewable energy. So um, they're kind of going with that ESG narrative, which is, which I think is good because I think, uh, you know, regulators are going to come down on that eventually, but um, 80% of the companies that they invest in use 
at least 50% of renewable energies. Um, so they have uh, a lot of different uh, companies in there, you know, Bitfarms, um, Argo, and, and just to name a few, I think those are the two top holdings. Uh, and something interesting too is, uh, you know, as you're an investor in HUD-8, uh, they don't have that in their top 10 holdings. So um, I think it, it's overall, it's a, a good ETF. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm full disclosure, I'm an investor in it. And I know you are as well. Um and yeah, I, I, I like this and I think, uh, you know, there's going to be winners and losers in the Bitcoin mining space. Um, and I think the winners are going to be focusing primarily on like cheap, uh, reliable and renewable energy. So, you know, whatever they can get, that's, you know, it comes consistently and, uh, you know, is able to be reused and obviously is very cheap that they can reuse and, uh, you know, implement into their Bitcoin mining and, and the more energy that they can obtain and the more, you know, physical miners that they can have, uh, obviously the better. Uh, so the fact that they're focusing on, on this kind of, uh, mining, I think is good for the long term. as, as even though I, I think that the short term and the narrative is kind of a load of shit, but, uh, you know, that's just my opinion on it. What do you think about this whole, uh, you know, WGMI business? Yeah. So for full disclosure to our listeners, I am a stockholder in WGMI. Uh, they derive at least 50% of their revenue from Bitcoin mining operations and or services related to Bitcoin mining, um, which I love. I, I love that BitFarms is up there on their list, like on their allocations. I'm sure those allocations will be flexible too. Um, but I like it. We got a nice little spike. So it opened at 26 Opened at 2620 and we're currently sitting at 2750. So up about a buck 30 from 2620. And that's with a, a, I don't know, you could call it sizable. It's not that sizable, but you could, it's a pretty big um, downward dump after hours. So we'll see how it opens up tomorrow. But yeah, overall, I mean, I'm up 4% on it and I love that. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of HUD-8. I've recently lost quite a bit of money on HUD-8. And so I'm not big on that. I was happy to see that they weren't in their top 10 allocations for this ETF. <laughs> Nothing against you, uh, HUD-8, or the people that work at HUD-8. But uh, I don't know. HUD-8 seemed to be one of those companies that just started talking about Web3 and NFTs and shit like that. And I'm just completely uninterested in that. I don't want to invest in a company that is focusing energy towards something that I don't think will pan out. Um so yeah, I'm happy to see HUD-8 wasn't big up there. I love BitFarms. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm, 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 uh, I'm really, I'm excited about it. It's, it's about time we had this ETF because I think there were already a few ETFs available in other countries and it just didn't seem, it, se it seemed obvious for the US to get one. And so here we are, now we've got one. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I, I know you you were uh, mentioning your big loss, but uh, I ended my love affair with with Kathy Wood, so I sold off my ARK ETFs uh, to uh, to buy into this. So uh, sometimes you got to eat the losses. I don't know. I, I I've had enough with it. I couldn't I couldn't deal with it anymore, and uh, it's just losing me too much money, and it's floating around the same thing and not doing much. So um, you know, well, this is something I believe in a little bit more too. So. Arc is another. It's a now it's a fund, and they seem to be talking a little bit about Web three and stuff too. And exactly. they start getting into this yeah. stuff, and it's like there's so many scammy people out there that these, you know, these major fund managers should be able to spot this stuff. You'd think by now, um, if a bunch of anons on Twitter can spot it, <laughs> like you'd think that these multi millionaires and billionaires uh, managing 
billions of dollars worth of money uh, should be able to spot like, Hey, uh, well, I think like, I think you're a little wrong on that, you know? Cause I mean, Mark Cuban, he's, he's really into it as well. And I think uh, the billionaires and, and whatnot, and these like really big fund managers can spot it. And they can also figure out a way how to profit off of it. So I think that is maybe the differentiator between uh, the millionaire billionaires type crowd and just like the average normie. Cause like the average normie goes in, they can get wrecked and they can't afford, uh, you know, they can't afford it after they get wrecked. Whereas the millionaires billionaires can take a little bit of risk and, and maybe jump into something that, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you, you know, like you and I perceive as risky and it's not going to make it, but there's, you know, obviously people are making some money on it here or there. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't agree with it at all or anything like that. I'm just trying to play a little devil's advocate here to say that, you know, maybe they're finding a way to make money on it. Either way, I'm not an investor with ARK anymore because, uh, they just killed me. Uh, last year I, I jumped in at the hype and I, I think I probably got in at the top and, you know, buy at the top, sell at the bottom. That's what great investors do, right? So, awesome. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, bottom line for me on that one, I like WGMI. Excited to see it, and um, yeah, I guess I'll it'll, it'll be a small part of my my portfolio. And um, I like I like ETFs generally, but I also like picking individual companies and and you know, especially in this relatively like budding sector, I've seen a lot of people especially on the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, they interview a lot of people that work in this industry. And so you can see the people that work for these companies and they're still relatively small companies. So you get a good sense of where their head's at at the moment. But yeah, bottom line for me on that one, I like WGMI. I'll, I'll uh, continue to allocate a small portion of my portfolio to it. All right. Yeah, sounds good. Well, let's go to your um, your next story. I think your next story and my next story kind of tie in together a little bit. So uh, let's go into you introduce yours and then I'll kind of uh, give you my opinion on it and and lead into mine. Sure. Yeah. Very related. Now that I'm looking at it, uh, mine's pretty simple. So Cash App now has rolled out lightning to everybody. They started doing this a few weeks ago um, to select groups. Not select groups. I think they were just kind of slow rolling it out to make sure everything was functional. But if you if you have Cash App, uh, you are now able to utilize the Lightning Network. For those of you who don't know, Lightning Network is a second layer technology. It sits on top of layer one of the Bitcoin blockchain, and it allows you to make transactions uh, a bit faster. So Bitcoin blockchain, you know, when you're making transactions on chain, it can be slow, it can be burdensome with uh, Lightning what you can do, Brandon. So suppose you and I open up a lightning channel between each other, between one another, you and I can send, um, we can send, we can send sats back and forth between each other without it ever going down to the chain until we close that channel. So a good analogy is like, I think I heard Nick Carter make this analogy on the Lex Friedman show. It's like a, it's like a bar tab, right? So if, if you go to the bar, what are you going to do? Are you going to pay for each of your drinks individually? Or are you going to, you know, keep your tab open and go back and forth. I see you smirking and I'm going to make a joke about it in just a second. So like it's it's much easier to just open a tab, go back and forth the whole night while you're buying drinks. For me, it's like, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 drinks. Um, and then you could just close out at the end, right? So that would be like closing the lightning channel. After you close out, then that goes down to layer one that goes onto the actual blockchain. So it speeds up transaction time and it makes 
um, Bitcoin much more scalable. Now, Brandon was smirking there because I don't know what three weekends in a row or something, you've lost your credit card. So now Brandon doesn't open tabs. <laughs> <laughs> it's not three weekends in a row. Okay. It's, it's, because the card doesn't come fast enough. It takes a week and a half for me to get the new card. So it's it was twice in three weeks that I've lost my card. Okay, so take it easy. Uh, and then I went to the bar the next time and I was like, all right, well, I'll, do you want to open and close your tab? So I, the first question I ask now is, do you take the card? And when they tell me yes, I'm like, okay, then I'm closing my tab. I don't trust myself. So I made this joke and a nice Canadian fella next to me is like, you're a funny guy. I'll buy you a tequila shot. And that night I wasn't planning on drinking. And, uh, you know, then one thing led to another and I got very intoxicated that night too. So, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes this works out better when I close the tab, you know, I mean, I got a free shot out of it. Yeah. So, so that's my, <laughs> that's my story. I'm, I'm thinking too, like, dude, how fucking wild is it that you just go to a bar and give somebody your credit card and they take it. Like it could be someone that they just hired. It's just back there, like writing down names, credit card numbers, and then they're gone the next day. Like it's it's pretty wild that you just let people take your card for extended periods of time, and you never you don't have eyes on it the whole time. Like that is a pretty wild thing. Uh, but yeah, that's that's my story. It's like it's cash app. But why don't you tell? Why don't you just introduce what your story is? Then we can just talk about the whole thing. <clears throat> Yeah, so mine is uh, the Apple iPhone is now going to allow merchants to accept and send Bitcoin payments through their tap to pay feature. So right now they kind of have the uh, tap to pay feature with uh, Apple Pay. So like if you have your credit card or um, I think you could even deposit cash onto your card uh, or onto your phone through Apple Pay and you can just go up to certain merchants like if they have the little credit card reader a lot of them now accept Apple Pay and instead of uh, reaching out for your credit card you could just tap with your phone uh, I think it's like double tap in the camera or something like that or uh, some one, one of the buttons you just hit a couple times and your phone pops up and you could even do it on your Apple uh, iWatch too so um, you know it makes it like really simple you don't even have to reach out for your phone um, so this is big. I think both of these things are very big for, for merchants, right? So I think Apple and, and Square now block uh, are going to kind of be comp competing for with each other because Square implements their technology and all that into iPads. Um, and so like when you go to a company or a small business that has Square, um, they're, you know, using iPads to check you out and then they have their little swipe feature for credit cards and everything. So that's their peer to peer transaction unit. Right. So now if iPads can accept it and accept, you know, crypto payments or Bitcoin payments, um, instead of using a credit card or anything like that, or even needing square to be the middleman, Apple can essentially cut them out. Um, so I think it's good for an Apple, Apple guy, uh, but I'm also like a big, big block guys. So I, I'm a little worried on that, but I think, uh, you know, block implementing lightning network, one benefit of implementing the lightning network that you didn't mention was it's just extremely, extremely cheap. So normally credit card companies take like a three to 4%, I believe is what Visa and MasterCard takes like every swipe, um, you know, lightning payments, uh, we're seeing companies like strike take like maybe one or two Satoshis per, you know, uh, per, transaction which is you know not even a cent so um i think like overall the lightning network just is just going to make it cheaper for consumers cheaper for small businesses and uh it's going to either allow businesses to grow because they keep the same margins and 
people are just kind of used to paying that or they can shrink their margin. It's going to make it cheaper on the consumer and, you know, more people are going to go and, and buy their food or buy their product or whatever. So overall, I think it's just great for businesses and consumers both because now it's uh, another payment rail where it's easier to transact back and forth. And the fact that they're creating competition and they're kind of trying to cut out these like Visa and MasterCard people who have essentially had a monopoly on the transactions uh, for such a long time. Uh, I think it's just great to see. And I think, you know, the competition makes it better too um, because, you know, Apple's a giant uh, block is getting up there for sure. And, and Jack Dorsey is very ambitious. And I think he's always one step ahead of Apple right now. But uh, you know, the fact that Apple's getting in, I think it's just a matter of a time before we, you know, see some other map Apple make some other moves uh, on the Bitcoin realm, whether that's, you know, announcing they have a Bitcoin on their balance sheet or or something else. Um, I think they're starting to come around to the whole um, Bitcoin's the way to go narrative. Um, the one small negative I, I am kind of discouraged is they said Bitcoin and crypto payments. So, um, you know, I think they're kind of hedging their bets now and maybe they're starting to get into it. But, uh, you know, hopefully they they, they turn it around and they realize, okay, it's, it's going to be Bitcoin only, but uh, they're hedging it right now, um, which is the advantage to block, I believe, at, at the beginning. But uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on, on both of them? Uh, my thoughts are pretty simple on this. I think Block's going to win this battle. Unless Apple goes all in on Bitcoin, I think Block's going to win this battle. Block is all in on Bitcoin. They're not talking about shit coins. They're not talking about crypto. They're not talking about NFTs. They're not talking about Web3. They're talking <laughs> to crush it, crush it. They're talking about Bitcoin and they're building in things like the Lightning Network. Now, here's the other reason I think Block is going to win. Block's also rolling out, in my opinion, I mean, it's a, it's a very young feature and we'll see how it develops. And I might be completely wrong about my projection on this, but... Block also introduced a tax filing feature that I think has gone like really under the radar for people in the cryptocurrency space. Fuck that in the block in 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 the Bitcoin space, it's gone way under the radar because like what's the number? What's one of the number one things holding people back from spending their Bitcoin? It's having to worry about these fucking taxes, man. Like not under like if you're if you're DCA and into Bitcoin or buying every week or buying every two weeks, it's hard to keep track of what your cost basis is. And then when you sell, it's like it's very hard to keep track of all this stuff. Imagine that you just get your paycheck sent straight to Cash App. It's a portion of it goes into Bitcoin. And then you want to send that Bitcoin to somebody like Cash App has traces of all of that. Right. And, and look, as, as you know, you and I know this as true Bitcoiners, it's like you, you really don't want Cash App custodying any of your stuff. You want to be in a hardware wallet. You don't want to have a custody, but th for the simple fact of the matter is, is like where we are right now and probably within the next 10 years, the vast majority of people, if you're going to onboard everybody, the vast majority of people aren't going to want to do that. They're not going to want to hold their own keys. That like They're going to want a custodian wallet that has a nice user interface that's easy to use. It's, a, it's easy to go up to a terminal and scan a QR code and hit send or, or, or get a lightning invoice and pay it. Like that's going to be the vast majority of users. And so I think Cash App or Block is further along in that, like in getting to that point than Apple is. And the fact that Apple is unwilling to go all in on Bitcoin at the moment, it just, it makes me quite like, I get it, they're hedging it, but it also makes me think 
well, they're not here for the Bitcoin ethos. And it really seems to me like Jack Dorsey is. So I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. And I, I like block. I, I really do like block. So. Yeah, me too. I, I do like block as well. And uh, the one thing that I, I'll kind of combat you with that is like, you know, square and block and cash app and all that it, it is kyc bitcoin but because jack dorsey is so big into the bitcoin ethos um you know we went to the the nashville bitcoiners meetup on wednesday and there was somebody on stage that said um you know it's it's more about companies that are just using kyc because they have to with regulators opposed to companies that are using kyc to get your data and figure out ways to kind of make you import more money and, and things like that so i think you know i believe that block and and jack dorsey um is one of those companies that's just doing it because they need to and you know for tax filing and stuff like that they, they definitely need your information to kind of help you with that um but i truly think that jack dorsey's in this for the right reasons and you know i could be wrong i i don't obviously i don't know him personally or anything like that all i see is the guy in the tie-dye shirt and the big ass beard but uh yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I, I think that that it is a good company and, I, and I'm very bullish on on block going forward as well. So, um, yeah, shout out to that Nashville Bitcoiners meetup. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably talk about that after our stories and everything. But uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's let's get into uh, unless you got something else, let's get into my uh, your last story and then we'll get into mine to, to close it out. I, I've got I've got two more. I'll be quick on one. I'll be quick on both, but your, I think yours is the, yours, I, the, your last one is the biggest one of the week. So I want to spend more time talking about that. Um, Russia officially comes out and announces that they will be regulating um, cryptocurrencies. And like two or three weeks ago, the, their central bank, the central bank of Russia came out and said that they wanted to do a blanket ban on cryptocurrencies. And then less than a week later, uh, Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, basically said, uh, no, we're not going to do that. You know, to, to put it like politically, he, he encouraged lawmakers and the central bankers to work together to figure out a way to regulate rather than ban cryptocurrencies. Okay, so and now they've officially released some guidance on how they're going to regulate. There's still a lot to come out and a lot to be translated properly because there is a document completely in Russian that I can't read at the moment, but I did get to translate their uh, little press release. So they will be regulating. They, you got to remember too, this is coming after like India went through the same thing. India's central bank said we should ban these things. And then the government decided not to. They're doing a flat tax of 30% on all cryptocurrency transactions. It's still not exactly clear what Russia will be doing, but they are going for the regulatory route rather than the ban. And I think it just makes so much sense uh, for Russia. We've, we've already seen last summer what happened in China. China completely banned this stuff. And we're seeing now in Kazakhstan, like right before we jumped on here, we were both looking at this story from Kazakhstan. Uh, that's basically like the president's calling for people to go out and find these cryptocurrency miners to, to tax them. Like those, Kazakhstan sits right underneath Russia. It shares a long border with Russia. And they've got rolling internet blackouts. They've got uh, people getting kicked off of power grids because the winters is rough. And now it's like the president's calling basically for headhunters to go out and find these mining operations so that they can tax them. Uh, Russia's probably starting to look pretty sweet to some of these miners. And Putin understands that. 
guaranteed Putin understands that. Uh, outside of that, I'll let you touch on. I'll let you touch on that. Outside of that, I also want to say that Russia and China just settled an oil deal, and this will tie into your last story. But talk about Russia for a bit too. I'll get your thoughts on it. But Russia and China just settled an oil deal in euros, not in the U.S. dollar, in euros. So, yeah. What, what do you yeah. think? What do you think? What do you think about Russia just deciding to regulate instead of ban? Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've been kind of talking about this on our spaces. Um, you know, we, we even put a little clip of, of it on our YouTube channel too. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, Putin's very, uh, very smart when it comes to these geopolitical moves. So say what you want about him. You know, he could be a bad guy. He, he's very, um, you know, what have you. We were even talking on our walk too about how, uh, you know, this documentary we were watching on uh, called Icarus, where this guy's like talking about the Olympics and how uh, Russia went through their whole doping thing. And then he got a big approval because everybody in, in Russia was uh, hopped up on steroids and, and won a bunch of medals. And then that he used that to invade um, another country. I think it was the Ukraine at the time. It was um, it was uh, it was but, Crimea. That's when yeah, they rolled into yeah, Crimea. So, yeah, so he he's just like you know you, he knows how to kind of work it and play the game uh, for better or for worse. Um, sometimes he uses it for bad things, and and sometimes he uses it for um, you know benefits for Russia. And I think this this is definitely a big benefit. Um, you know, for the exact reasons you were saying, he's staying like okay, this is a big market. Um, I forget the exact figure, but I, I think maybe it was like $15 billion um, in the Bitcoin mining sector. Uh, don't quote me on that 100%, but we wrote about it in our newsletter on Monday, so check that one out. Um, but yeah, it's a big growing industry, and uh, they have a lot of natural resources out there in Russia in order to you know, you know, mine Bitcoin and, and do all that kind of stuff. So it's obviously beneficial and you know, like you were saying, Kazakhstan has a bunch of miners that moved from China to Kazakhstan after, uh, you know, China banned Bitcoin mining and Russia shares a border. So instead of going someplace like uh, shipping miners all the way to the United States, Canada, North America, what have you, uh, you can just move them across the border. And so why wouldn't you do that? Um, especially if uh, Russia's like, come here, like, you know, bring it all in here. So, um, I, I mean, I definitely think it's, it's a smart move for Russia. And, uh, you know, they're becoming more Bitcoin and crypto friendly. And I think they're also starting to you know, see a little bit of a chink in the armor in the U.S. dollar. Um, you know, my, my last story is, uh, I'll let the cat out of the bag. My last story is about inflation. Uh, you know, we, we saw 7.5%. Uh, the numbers got released today. And, uh, you know, the U.S. dollar, they just keep printing money and they don't know how to stop it. And so Russia and these other countries like China are, are seeing that. And so they're not really trusting the United States government to back the U.S. dollar anymore. And, you know, it makes complete sense. I don't trust him to, to back the U.S. dollar anymore, to be quite frank, because you know, at the same time, it's like, OK, everything's going up in price around us um, and they don't know how to stop it. And, uh, you know, if they're going to devalue the currency and everything like that and, and they don't know how to how to deal with it. Um, why are you going to keep using the U.S. dollar for transactions? So, um you know, China and Russia using euros is pretty interesting because I don't even, is is Russia like do, do they use euros there? Do they have their own currency no, or, or what? So they operate on the ruble. Um, but you know, so okay, so obviously they're not. It's a deal between China and Russia. They're obviously not going to settle in the UN or the ruble. 
because then like it's like one is conceding to the other. So they've got to settle in something else. Now, it's interesting that they didn't settle in the U.S. dollar. They settled on in the euro. It would have been awesome to settle in Bitcoin, obviously, but China's banned Bitcoin. So they can't come out and say, we're going to settle a deal in Bitcoin. And you have to keep in mind that I, I think it was like less than a month ago, India and Russia signed a deal and decided that they would settle in their own currencies. So the rupee and the ruble. And Myanmar just dropped the USD for settlements and went with the UN. So we're seeing now a bunch of countries opting out of the US dollar. El Salvador adopted Bitcoin as legal tender in parallel with the US dollar. Like more and more countries across the world are opting out of using the US dollar. And you got here at 7.5%. Those are the official numbers. Brandon, we both live in the US. We both live in states that are like doing okay economically, especially you, like like Florida's doing great economically. Um, but we're still suffering the consequences of our national currency being devalued at 7.5% year over year, according to the official numbers. We know that's not the case. You know, you're a homeowner. You know that your, your house has, it hasn't gone up by 7.5%, has it? Oh, it's gone up a hell of a lot more. So, um, you know, I mean... It's, it's definitely interesting. It's, it's good and bad for me personally, because, you know, I, I do have a rental property and everything like that. Uh, only one. So I, I want to buy more. And, and to be quite honest, it's, it's getting tougher. And I know you're, you're trying to buy a home and, and it's definitely not, <coughs> not easy right now. But uh, I just feel bad for, you know, all our friends and, and things like that, that aren't, uh, you know, that have student loans debt and, and everything like that. And, um, you know, we have a generation of, of kids that in order to afford a house, they need to live at the parents' house until their late 20s, early 30s or something in order to, to buy a house. Um, or they need to, to make a lot of money or just, you know, lack of social life and, and everything like that. So just to, you know, make make it so they, they can, quote unquote, live the American dream. And uh, it's it just it's getting really sad where we're seeing like inflation just affects so many people. And, um, you know, to be honest, like I, I had a bunch of friends that were telling me, you know, during like uh, the stimulus times, like, oh, everybody needs these, the stimulus check, they need these things to help pay the bills. Well, you know, what bills are you paying? You're paying those bills to the landlord, the electric company, the, you know, the grocery store, like all these big players, um, you know, who, who benefited off of, uh, uh, off of like COVID and everything like that. And, uh, you know, now, uh, those like what $1,400 check or what, what did they get? I think it was like $3,600 over 12 month period, maybe, or maybe even longer. Um, like, did that really help? Was that really worth how much we're inflating right now? Uh, because to me it's not and and the silent killer, um, to, to the lower and middle class is inflation. And, uh, that inflation just drastically hurts people. And, you know, when those uh, weekly grocery bills go from 200 to $250, when you're buying the same amount of food, it's like, all right, you either got to cut back on your food and you're having growing kids who need to eat more and more and more, or, uh, you know, you got to make sacrifices somewhere else. And sometimes like, you know, that means, all right, no after school programs for kids, no late night soccer teams, no things like that. So, you know, it's, it's just like, it, 
it, it breaks my heart seeing all these things because I just think about all the negative effects that can that could come off of this. And it's not just okay, like I can't afford to live. It's like not only that, it's like the quality of life for young children, you know, growing up. Um, and so it just, you know, I, I think of all people that are really losing during this time, it's the kids. Um, you know, they're having to be in school with masks on and uh, and now, you know, potentially missing out on some uh, activities that they would have previously had available to them with their both their parents' income or, you know, now like one parent was going to work and one was going to stay at home and now both of them need to work. So instead of parents being raised by both their or kids being raised by both their parents is uh, it's being raised by a nanny or, or something else. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's, it's a silent killer. And uh, I think now people are starting to wake up to it more because, you know, it's just so drastic. Like you can't ignore it. If your grocery bills goes from 200 to $202, you don't really notice it. But now that it's going from 200 to like $250, you're like, oh shit, this thing's really smacking me in the face. So, um, you know, I, I know I just kind of rambled on a little bit and said, instead of decent amount, but, uh, you know, inflation, it's just, it's, it's, it's it's a beast that can't be stopped it seems like right now and i don't know like a good solution for it or anything it's just it it's killing to me it's killing me to see like everything just go up so much in price it's crazy well here's the here's the thing so i mean yeah you mentioned you mentioned like 10 things and this but this is the state of where we are because it's it's gotten to the point of being so frustrating because it touches so many things that people don't even really think about in the long term like you're mentioning children Mm -hmm. Man, all the shit that the, that these kids have been through over the last two years, we won't see the actual effects of this until, I don't know, probably five, 10 years down the road. Like we won't see what kind of antisocial behavior this creates in, in children who are at that critical age of like four to six years old where they're learning how to read fa- like facial expressions and how to respond to those in social situations. Like obviously babies and infants are reading facial expressions, but it's not until you're like four or five years old where you're figuring out okay, this is what it means. Like, this is what it means when someone wants to to play with me and what it means when people don't want to play with me. And so like, we won't see those in for probably five to 10 years, Um, but we will see them 100%. And, but I want to go back to the price thing. Okay. So Brandon, you don't have to divulge any numbers here, but you own a home it's, and you, and you rent part of that home. I, you can get as specific as you want. I'm going to try to keep it as vague um, as I can, but you rent part of it. Okay, the value of your home is going up drastically. What does that mean to you as the homeowner? Do you have to pay, like, do you have to pay more annually? And what do those fees entail? And then, if so, what do you have to do to rent? Does the rent go up? Yeah. Um, so I'm just crunching some numbers here, real quick, just to see. So my home value has gone up. So I, I closed on my house in September of 2020. My home value has gone up approximately 40% in that time. So um, <clears throat> I don't know, that's like a month and a, or a year and a half or so. In that time, I had a renter um, who came in and rented. And then um, now I have it on the market again. I, I was renting out to a friend who was looking out for a house and he's just closing and everything. But the market rent now for this for this unit is 30% higher than it was you know, last year. So, um, you know, people will probably say greedy landlord, things like that. Like your prices don't change. That's completely false. 
Um, my taxes increased and my overall mortgage payment increased by, um, let me see the exact price. It increased by $200, but um, let me see how much that is like percentage wise real quick. Um, so that's like, that's like nine, 10%. Um, but you know, over like a 30 year period, assuming that it doesn't change that adds up over time. Right. And so it's not only that, you know, it's, it's all the repairs to the house, uh, now are increased price. Um, everything else is, you know, increased price, like maintenance, everything that, that goes into the house, the electric bill, the water bill, all that kind of stuff. So like these things that I cover for the renter, not only that, they go, they go up too. So, um, you know, and at the end of the day, in any business, whether you're running a rental property business, food business, anything like that, those costs have to go down to the consumer because people have to make money some way, shape or form, right? It's still a business at so the end of the day, right? So, 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 that's 100% right. Ahead. This, was, this was kind of the point I was getting at. And it was just feeding off of your earlier point where it's like the, the people that this inflation hurts are the people that don't own assets they don't own their own homes they don't have have equities like they it it's the lower and middle class that this stuff hits the hardest and those were the people that all of these politicians all of the people that called you an asshole all of the people that called me an idiot all of these people that said no the stimulus is a good idea well the result of this stimulus even a year after the case is is inflation at seven and a half percent highest it's been since the early eighties. The consequences of this kind of inflation get passed down to the people that you thought you were helping a year ago. And people like you and I were saying a year ago, this isn't a good idea. The very people you think you're helping, you're hurting big time. Um, and I just wanted to point that out. Cause I, I know you've, you know, when you post your house on Facebook, and stuff people call it all oh, the greedy landlord rents up rents way up greedy landlord they don't understand that the prices that you're paying are higher they're way higher well exactly too and like i think that you know something that that people don't realize is like everything is going to have consequences right so when um i'm blanking on her name but the redhead that uh does the white house uh talks what's her oh, name again? paskey jen paskey yeah Jen Paskey, when she gets up there and says, we're going to print trillions of dollars and it's going to cost the consumers and everybody, the American people, zero dollars, that's completely false, right? Because like this money printing is obviously causing drastic inflation and okay, you know, we can get the fiat bros on Twitter and everything like that, that are going to say like, Hey, it's not all just from the money printing. It's from the supply chain. It's from, you know, loss of jobs and things like that. It's like, okay, there's obviously various factors as to why, um, you know, inflation is at where it is, but money printing is definitely one of those factors and it's it definitely could be avoided. It's, it's, it's bullshit. Why, 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 why do politicians feel comfortable shutting down entire economies? It's because they know that the federal reserve will print money and bail them out when they fail. Like it's, it's a combination. You can't shut down your economy and print money. And have your debt to GDP ratio go through the roof and expect this and expect inflation not to happen. Like you, you can't do it, but the politicians feel comfortable shutting shit down because they know their buddies at the Federal Reserve who are unelected. We don't, we don't get any say in who's at the Federal Reserve. We don't get to determine whether or not Powell's in there or not. It's an appointed position. And guess what? He was appointed by Trump. He's been appointed by Biden. Like 
This is across party lines. This is not a left-right argument. You know, this is like politicians feel comfortable shutting shit down because they know their pals over at the Federal Reserve will continue to print money for them and bail them out. Oh, 100%. And we've mentioned this a couple of times too. Like the reason private businesses work really well and uh, like the United States has kind of become a powerhouse because of, you know, partially because of capitalism. And it's like at the end of the day, if a business isn't good or if a business isn't, is overpricing things, it fails, right? If the business tries to become greedy and gouge and, and do all those things, like consumers, like, all right, I'm not going to pay fucking $10 for an ice cream cone, right? Like that's just not going to work. I could go down the street and get another one or go get a pint of ice cream for two dollars and scoop it out myself whatever right so it, it it's like these things that people don't really like think about logically that it's like okay like somewhere these costs like like are not uh these, these things aren't adding up like right so um you know at the end of the day it's just like you like you said we're not electing uh, officials like powell and uh they just keep on printing money and then they're, they're gonna come out and say things like hey like well nobody came into my office and said like hey you should raise rates because uh you know like that'll help the lower class like no i mean you know at the end of the day the rich are gonna are drastically benefiting off of this because they all have you know inflated assets like like i just shared i had I have a house that's gone up in 40% in a year and a half, but according to, you know, CPI in the past year, it's, it's only seven and a half in inflation. Like really? I mean, come on. Like all these inflated assets are just jumping through the roof. And then, you know, now like I can go to the bank and if I wanted to take a home equity line of credit, I all of a sudden have like a shit ton more money and equity in my house when I've paid off. I've done like one, one and a half years of payments in a 30 year mortgage. Right. So, um, it just doesn't really make sense to me, these arguments that people are making. And I think people are kind of slowly starting to wake up. Um, I think, you know, I, I see it maybe on Twitter. So maybe I'm like kind of feeding into my, my timeline and things like that and, and not really being as dialed in and, and kind of parsing through it. But um, yeah, I mean, like you were saying before, it, it just drastically affects the lower and middle class. And it's, it's, you know, it's getting tougher to see like just all these people just getting screwed over so much. I can tell I get you fired up. All right. <laughs> so, and this, but this is the kind of stuff, you know, Brandon and I uh, went on a run yesterday and we were talking about some of this stuff and um, it's, it's terrible. You know, we get, we get fired up about it because, you know, both Brandon and I grew up in households that were lower middle-class and were affected heavily by the, the things that happened in 07 and 08 and the same things that were happening then. I mean, they're not the same exact things. Obviously there's, I think far more money printing and less like uh, fraudulent loaning uh, practices going on, but or fraudulent lending practices going on. But uh, you know, it's it's the, the result's going to be the same. It's going to be the the lower class and the middle class that are more drastically impacted by this. Now we have to keep in mind that this is state of the Bitcoin, state of Bitcoin. Fuck, we used to call this thing state of the coin. Now it's state of Bitcoin. But I, for some reason, have a hard time dropping the the. So. Bitcoin, Same here. Big, Bitcoin fixes this because it's got a hard cap of 21 million and it's got set halving cycles that completely protect it against inflation. Nobody can print more Bitcoin. And there's nobody that's elected or non-elected that's a centralized entity that oversees this. It's hard-coded, right? There's not going to be some instance in the future where that, you know, I'm 
I'm guessing anyways, and it's a, it's a strong guess where the Bitcoin developers and all of the nodes agree that, oh, we'll just increase it by a couple million because we need a couple million more, right? Like, <laughs> it's just not going to happen. So I just want to, I just want to kind of, kind of pull that back to like this, this fiat system that we're in, this is how Looney Tunes it is, man. Like they can just print trillions and then get on national television and tell you that it's going to cost you nothing when housing's up 40%, lumber's up 90%, oil's up how much? Like, you know, I, I don't have all the numbers in front of me. And then they lie to you and tell you, well, you know, if you remove housing and oil and, and food or whatever, it's only 7%. So, okay, well, don't I need all of those things to live? <laughs> you know, like, like Bitcoin, like, you know, it's a meme on Twitter, but Bitcoin really does fix this shit, man. Like you, it's not going to inflate. It's, uh, it just won't. So I don't know. I, exactly. I, I just wanted to, I wanted to kind of pull it back to, to Bitcoin. And, and we, we talk about no, this stuff for sure. because it's, it's, this is the, this is the economic backdrop that birthed Bitcoin. And it's what's keeping, it's, it's what's making Bitcoin str- us like stronger and stronger argument to, for, for global use. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, too, we'll, we'll see, like, you know, we, we've got a, a good friend, Masa Sonkap on, on Twitter, who's, uh, who's always saying like the fiat bros will always come out on the days when they announce uh, CPI numbers and, uh, you know, Bitcoin's down that day because, uh, you know, the general narrative around Bitcoin, too, is, is, it, is it, it is an inflation hedge, right? So like you said, although it's not exactly tied directly to Bitcoin, it kind of is, right? Because it's the overall macro environment. So, um, yeah, I, just to kind of bring it back to that, you know, the daily price of Bitcoin doesn't matter when when it's, uh, you know, announcing the CPI numbers, but overall, uh, exactly for the reasons that you said, Bitcoin is a good inflation hedge simply because of the, you know, the hard cap of the 21 million and, you know, the hash rate uh, going to be halved every four years and everything like that, making it more difficult. Um, I believe it's like 2030 something that all the Bitcoin will be in existence and in circulation too. So uh, less and less coming out each year. Um, and uh, just overall, just, you know, just keep on stacking, not financial advice, but uh, yeah. Uh, let's move on. I know you got one more story uh, before we wa- give a little review of our Nashville Bitcoiners meetup. Uh, so yeah, what do you got for me? What's your last one? Oh man, I think we we're on such a great roll. I was hoping that would be kind of the the last one. But the other, I mean, the other big news that came out this week was that two people were arrested in connection with the Bitfinex hack of 2016 stole close to 120,000 Bitcoin at the time. It was worth like 60 million. Um, at today's prices, it's worth well over 4 billion. And uh, federal agencies in the US were able to recover, I think it was like 94,000 coins or approximately $3.6 billion worth of Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Let's wait to see what happens with this because the two people that they have charged with these crimes, and they're not charging them, by the way, of hacking. They're charging them of like assisting or aiding in money laundering. But there was like 120 hacked and stolen, and they all went to this guy, like one guy's wallet. And then over the series of a couple months or years, like it got distributed to different financial uh, accounts that belong to this couple. And 
Yeah, let's just say, I mean, the couple, like, like the the woman has these crazy rap videos that are so bad. They're so bad. They're like almost as bad as Drake. Um, they're bad. Oh, shit. <laughs> Don't tell that to Joey. Oh, yo, shit. yo, at Joey tweets at Drake, whatever Drake's Twitter handle is. Don't at me. Champagne Don't poppy. At me. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, shit. You know, it's, it's, uh, Look, they're really bad. These videos are very, very bad. Uh, so I don't know. I'll, I'll let the people decide, and I will just wait. I'll wait to see how this thing plays out. Um, it, yeah, exactly. I, I'm, I'm there with you. The TikTok videos are unbelievable. Like, if you really thought that this person uh, was has the mental capacity to to fool all these people on the Bitcoin network and steal this much money, then Man, uh, I have a uh, little faith. I mean, I don't know. I it's just she's yeah. They're terrible rap videos. Very not self aware and uh, yeah. I there's not too much to say about it other than like somehow this idiot duped a, a bunch of people or she was in connection of it. So we'll see how it all plays out. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's, I, let's I do, get in. So what I were want, your? Th- I, I wanted. To, I just want to clarify one thing. So you were saying, um, all the Bitcoin will be. I think you just missed a one. All the Bitcoin will be mined by like twenty one thirty or twenty one forty. You said twenty thirty, and I was like eight years, uh, <laughs> like uh, like a hundred hundred years after that. Yeah. Hey, look, 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 right, bo- my- look, boys, we're on the sauce tonight. All right, we're getting sauced up. You know, it's. I've been drinking. I drank more than Dan today, which is kind of surprising. So uh, normally Dan's the one that's getting sauced up, but uh, <laughs> I had a little, I had a little Tito's and soda at, at dinner. So um, yeah, all right. Now let's move on. Nashville Bitcoiners meetup. Uh, it was my first one. Uh, it was your second or third one. Third. Okay. Third. So yeah, um, it was awesome. Uh, I really liked it. We're shout out to the uh, what is it, Jackalope Brewing Company that hosted it. Um, if you guys are in the Nashville area, I definitely recommend you check it out, but you need to get on the meetup page and sign up soon, um, for the next one, because, uh, they get filled up, they limit it to 150. Um, but yeah, overall, I met a lot of great people. Uh, you know, it's kind of surprising in the Tampa Bitcoin meetup that I go to, or I try to go to the in-person one, uh, every month. Um, it's mostly just Tampa people. We get a few people that come in and out, uh, it seemed like a lot of people were coming in from out of town for the Nashville one, just because it was so big. Um, you know, we had a big crowd from Austin. I met a lot of people from there. Um, we had some people come in from the Huntsville meetup that are starting down there. So if you're in the Alabama area, I believe they've done one meetup or maybe two. Um, and they're starting a second one or a third one. And you can follow them at tw- on Twitter at um rocket city bitcoin meetup uh at huntsville btc uh so those guys were really nice and uh, they're trying to get their meetup up and running uh so if you're in that area or if you know somebody in that area you know go ahead and check them out and uh you can find them on meetup or twitter or anything like that too um so yeah i mean uh, this one it was just it was you know overall good environment we went in they they uh you know got some good talks and uh no phones or anything like that too during it which i thought was really cool it's just a uh, you know you sit back and you actually connect with people which uh you know it isn't too common too too much these days and um it's really awesome to go to a bitcoin meetup and just kind of 
you know, talk about like shoot the shit, like kind of like what we, we do here. Um, you know, we do that in our spaces and things like that. Um, so maybe we do it a little bit more regularly than, than the average person, but, uh, to go over and have a couple beers, um, you know, once a month or something with some random people and get to be able to like actually have an unfiltered conversation and just, you know, not have to feel like you're mincing words or anything like that. It's just, it's, it's great. Um, I really enjoy these Bitcoin meetups and I hope to go to more in the future. Um, and so, yeah, if you got a Bitcoin meetup around the country and you want us to come out, um, you know, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter uh, at Green Candle IT or reach out to me at BKeys1010 or at PVO underscore Dan. Um, so we're going to try to come to more of these just because, you know, we enjoy connecting with them so much. So um, I know this is your third one. So what was your thoughts on it? Like, compare it to a couple of the other ones and uh yeah there's something new here that you liked on this one bad etc etc they it seems like they're it seems like they're all just so great like man the people that come in for these things uh they do it for a reason you know like glass well i you we don't have to get into it but like it you they come in because they're good. So we spent a lot of time talking with the folks down in Huntsville. Uh, Huntsville, by the way, is uh, very tech heavy. It's been the home of NASA for decades. Uh, the one thing you have to look out for in Huntsville is I think a bunch, I think the FBI just moved their headquarters down, to, down there. So look, be on the lookout for a few spooks there, but um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's awesome. Brandon, how many people do you think, wait, let me answer your question. Yeah, I thought it was a great meetup. I think all three of them that I've been to, this was their sixth one. So I've been to half of them. These all three I've been to have been fantastic. I've learned a lot. It's not like you go and, and grab beers with people. You do do that, but they actually give talks and presentations. So this week or this month was all about um, free and open source software. So they had people come up in panels and there's Q and A and, and things like that. And so there's drinking before and in between and after but then you're also learning things too. Um, Brandon, how many people did we meet last night where he said, oh, are you from the Nashville area? What was the number one answer from people when you asked them if I they would, were for, from the Nashville area? I, I would probably say no. Uh, yeah. Majority of people, I think, were from out of town and they just all kind of came in, which like, like I said before, you know, the, the Tampa meetup is very, you know, Tampa centric. Everybody's in the Tampa or Tampa Bay ish area, St. Pete, whatever, um, you know, which is good. Like you're building that local community and everything like that. But, um, you know, I think we had people to drive like from different cities. I know we, we met, we talked to a guy from Chattanooga for a while. We had a couple of people that I met from Nashville too, but well, how, how many know, people? It's definitely more of a mixed crowd, I would say. How how many people? If you if you said like oh like, if they were from Nashville, and you said did you grow up in Nashville? How many of them told you that they 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 had recently moved to Nashville in the last few months? And where was the number one location they were moving from? <laughs> That's almost everybody yeah, I talked to. Almost everybody was moving out of California to to somewhere else, and you know. I know that like it's a you're from like the Cleveland area, right? So um, it's a little different for you. For me, it's it's kind of like I don't know. It almost feels like Austin because I, I grew up in Austin, and uh, you know when I was growing up, that was the hot spot for Californians to move in was to to move to Austin, Texas, and uh, 
you know, they're still doing that right now to this day, and it's still a rapidly growing city, but Nash people have caught on to Nashville too, and, and have caught on to, to Florida. But uh, yeah, we, we also got a, a little comment from, from one of the guys that says like, everybody in California kind of looks at, at Florida as like a bunch of hillbillies and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's funny because everybody in Florida kind of looks at, you know, California a little, a little different of a way too. So um, overall though, I thought, you know, in general as great people, I thought, you know, connecting with, with Bitcoiners is great. And uh, everybody was like super friendly too. And I think everybody was there to try to educate. Um, you know, I got a lot of questions like, you know, like, what do you do? What are, are you trying to get into Bitcoin? Like everybody's trying to help facilitate and, you know, help, help you learn, help you grow and help you, um, you know, get to where you want to be. So um, that's just one thing I've always loved about the Bitcoin community as a whole is that, you know, everybody's been very generous with their time with us and uh, always been very generous when I met in person and everything like that. So um, good on you to the, the Nashville Bitcoiners meetup. Uh, one recommendation though, is like, you guys gave out stickers, coasters and all those kind of things is like, make, maybe make a little bit smaller of a sticker. Cause that, that sucker is fucking huge. And so I can't put it anywhere, but anyway, other than that, like I, I enjoyed it and, uh, we'll probably, I know you will probably be back on another one for sure. Um, I will probably try to move back or move to, or come to another one, um, you know, at some time in the near future, but, uh, yeah, um, the Huntsville one, there was people from Austin, um, and then people from like scattered all over Tennessee. That's where I, all I met, um, anywhere else you have? No, I just think, I mean, almost everybody I talked to, uh, when I asked them, oh, are you from, and it, look, I, you said I was from the Cleveland area. Thanks for the docs, by the way. No, I'm joking. I'm proud. I'm proud to be from Cleveland, Ohio, or at least outside a little bit outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And um, I, but I moved, I mean, I moved here from Birmingham, Alabama. And, you know, before that I was in uh, the Carolinas and before that uh, I was in Memphis. And so it's not like I moved here in the last two years, the vast majority of people I talked to moved to the Nashville area or they were either from out of town in town specifically for the meetup or had recently moved to nashville from california uh in the last you know six months to a year and it just it just shows you it shows you like this okay these states like florida and tennessee and texas like like people want to be able to work man <laughs> like they want to be able to express their opinions they want to be able to live normal lives and and these are the states that are doing it and uh and that's a big part of the bitcoin ethos and so I, I'm just always happy to see, you know, my first question to these people when they come in is like, man, are you, how are you liking the state so far? You know, are, like, what's different about it? How do you, what do you think? And everybody says, I, I'm just so happy that I can come and I can speak my mind. I don't have to worry about it. You know, I don't have to be worried about being, you know, uh, blacklisted from, from friend events and things for just speaking my mind. Like, that's what it's all about. You should be able to, to, to speak your mind and, and I'm, I'm really, I'm always glad to meet people like this that have, that took that leap. And well, look, we take a full circle back to our inflation talk. A lot of people like that are in positions where they can afford to move out, especially in a housing market like it is today. And the people that can't, but want to, those are the people that are hurt the most. And so it, just to take it full circle back to your inflation point, it's like, 
man, this stuff that you think over the last two years has been helping the, the lower classes has been killing them. It's been killing them. So, all right, man, do you want to just jump into quick on-chain stuff and wrap it? Yeah. Um, give me, I guess give me your final more. point. Give me, give me your final point on that one. Yeah. I, I just, I, you know, the, the inflation thing that, that we're bringing back to, it just, it reminds me of this one guy, thing that this guy was saying. I forgot where it was exactly, but I know it was like right outside the San Francisco area. And he was telling us that there's um, a friend of his that bought a one bedroom house. I didn't even know they make this. And I think it was like for less than 700 square feet. Yeah. So it was 700, um, I think. Yeah. So in the, uh, you know, in the Tampa area, um, I had a one bedroom apartment for, uh, you know, for 700 square feet. Um, and when I first moved, I was going for like 1700 in a nice area of town. Um, now it's going for a little over that, a two grand because of, uh, you know, inflation and whatnot, but you know, it's nothing compared to, uh, the 1.2 million that he bought this house for, uh, which is insane. Um, so, you know, you can see why people are leaving California. It's like, you know, I get it. Like it's a booming tech, tech and industry and, and things like that. And there's obviously, you know, a lot of, uh, innovation that went on in the Silicon Valley area at one point in time, but, um, you know, it's, I just can't see how a one bedroom, a, a house being 700 square feet, uh, selling for 1.2 million is sustainable at all. Um, so, um, that really stood out to me, but yeah, let's get on to the on-chain stuff. Um, what you got for me? What are we looking at price right now? Yeah. Like I said, we're going to shorten this on-chain stuff. We're Look, we want you to come to our page to get stuff that you can't get anywhere else. And what that's going to be is our opinion on some of the latest and greatest in the Bitcoin uh, world. The on-chain stuff you're going to be able to find anywhere, right? So we're going to shorten this stuff down. And uh, yeah, I mean, price, price-wise, price Brandon, we're looking at, when I wrote this anyways, uh, this is stupid. I'm not going to tell you what it was when I wrote it. I'm going to pull up the price right now. I got it. I got it for you. I mean, in our low budget op, I can, I can make it up for you. Um, but uh, anyway, I got it. It's like 43,000 right now, just a hair under $300. Okay. Um, so it's a little bit down on the day. Um, but uh, overall, I think it's about down 1.4%. Yeah. I'm seeing about this recording. One, I've seen about 1% down on the day up 16.2% on the week, uh, up just over yeah. or just under 2% on the month. And wow, surprisingly down like 9% on the year. Uh, but that's okay. Cause we were pumping last year at this time. So wow, price wise, really? have, uh, is that year to date? Because I have the past three months were down 33%. Oh no, no, no. That's, months. that's the last 12 months. Okay. Yeah. Last 12 months I have down like three and a half percent. Yeah. So I guess it kind of depends on that. But anyway, yeah, I agree. We we're kind of pumping. Um, it was interesting too. I don't know if you saw this, but uh, I saw Business Insider. Uh, Penn is Penn's arch rival um, that's been trying to take down a Barcelona Sports and Dave Portnoy and everything like that. But that's for another time. Uh, they were hosting a Twitter Space today. Um, let me see if I could find uh, the exact title of the Twitter Space. But it was essentially going in about how uh, Bitcoin is bouncing back and uh, the dip bottom is over and all this and that. And uh, 
the first thing that went in my head is like, oh, oh shit, why are the hell are they talking about price? Because every time we talk about prices, it, it, it falls down. But yeah, here we go. It's uh, here's the title of the space. It was Bitcoin ready for aggressive recovery, reversal confirmed. And the, it was the host was Bitcoin, our business insider markets insider and uh, some crypto account. And then some uh, girl that I don't recognize. Her name was Lila. I don't know. I can't see her last name in here. But anyway, those were the four hosts. And I don't know. When I see things like this, I'm just like, all right, I, I don't feel super confident because now like it's seemingly like the normies are kind of getting in. So, um, you know, we'll see. I think uh, we're kind of still holding steady around this like 44 um, realm. We're still tipping on Fofos. Shout out Mike Jones. Um well, let but me, yeah, let's talk about some of the other uh, other M metrics and what what else you got. What well, what's your opinion on this price? Let me let me say let me say this, and then we can talk about. Uh, I mean, the the other metrics are are fine. Um, let me say this about Business Insider. Fuck you, Business Insider. I stand with Dave Pornoy, and I would love for Dave to come on the show and shoot this shit with us. Uh, I know he recently bought in. I think he bought twenty nine Bitcoin. Bitcoins, depending on what camp you're in. Uh, but fuck Business Insider, dude. These scumbags want to go at people. Uh, and they do it so obviously right before pen earnings. I'm not a pen holder. I don't give a fuck what happens to pen stock. They do it so obviously to try uh, to tear people I'm guys. a pen holder, so I care. <laughs> so you can't talk about it. But it's, you know, it's like, it's so clearly a hit job um, that it's ridiculous. All right, let's talk about these. Oh, we see Max in the background there. What up, Max? scumbag just needs to move to another spot in the bed <laughs> max Unreal. dude max is the kind of dog that would move from tennessee to california no offense uh <laughs> oh man that's fucked up that's honestly fucked up uh, max max just likes to go he has one speed it's, it's either all in or or dead asleep so he'll wake up ready to go in the morning and I need to take him on a walk and then I'll come back and sleep and then at noon he's up ready to go and need to take him on the walk and then He'll sleep and then he's up at four or five o'clock and he's ready to go and he wants me to take him on a walk. That's about it. So, I mean, it's perfect for working at home because he just sleeps most of the day, but I need to, uh, I need to give him his little uh, exercise and, you know, help him along his weight loss journey too. So uh, don't forget that stand with Max hashtag I'm with Max. Yeah, I'm with Max too. Uh, I was just giving him some shit. All right, let me rattle these things off and then let's wrap this thing up because we need to download it and upload it and drink several more beers before we go to bed. Uh, market Amen. cap, market cap, we're sitting uh, about 840 billion. Spend output profit ratio. So this is SOPR that we love so much. Sitting right around one. Again, if you're above one, it means uh, on average, the market's selling at a profit. If you're below one, it means that you're selling at a loss. If you're hovering right around one, it's looking pretty good to me. Uh, it means that when you get these dips, so like we had a pretty prolonged dip and then we got a little bit more of a bump up towards, you know, over 40. And then we're sitting around 43, 44. Well, I love that because we were sitting at thirties for quite a while and we were kind of building up some volume. I was wondering if people would sell off as we jumped up into the forties, but it looks like we're sticking right around one more or less. I uh, love to see that block height at the time that I was writing, this was 722,693. Uh, I'm sure it's gone up a few blocks since then. And the mean block interval time. Uh, so this is the average block interval time. 
at the time that I wrote this was, which was right before we started was nine minutes and 47 seconds, slightly below the 10 minute mark that they are aiming for. Uh, so yeah, man, that's like kind of the, I think that's going to be the on-chain stuff that we look at and it's just going to be presented in a really easy way to look at. Like, like, well, you're, you're obviously listening to us not looking at the newsletter, but it's just the metrics and what they are. Uh, we got some feedback from people and they said, Hey, try to shorten up the letter a little bit and then make it more in your personality. Cause I think that's what brings people to us. We get these huge growth spurts when we have good spaces and that's when our personality comes out. So we're going to try to get that across more in some of our content, including our, our newsletter. So that's what I got, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, you know, we're just kind of starting out to this podcast, so, um, we're ripping, um, we have a guest next week. Uh, so a little teaser on that. I'm not going to, uh, divulge who it is just in case that doesn't happen, but, uh, I'm fairly certain that it will, but anyway, um, yeah, so we're, uh, you know, if you guys know anybody that you su- suggest some guests to, like, you know, feel free to reach out or, or tweet at them and tag us and uh, we'll be sure to heckle them and uh, hit it with a bunch of retweets and likes and and all that stuff. And we'll send our, our bots that uh, Dan pays all the time to uh, increase his Twitter likes and everything like that at them, too. Um, but yeah, other than that, uh, I, I think that's it for me um do you want me to list off all the stuff that we're doing because you always forget something let me try to do it all right everybody all right we put out now two newsletters a week we were doing three we've decided to drop one and focus more on two uh because if you know yeah pump it up pump it up so we do one on monday which is basically what we're doing now is we're picking a financial sector this month, we're doing Bitcoin mining. So we do kind of a sector overview, and then we go into individual companies within that sector. So again, we're doing Bitcoin mining now. We put out our sector overview this past Monday, and then over the next several Mondays, we're going to basically do a deep dive into individual Bitcoin mining companies. After that, who knows what we do? You know, Maybe we do uh, you know, software or whatever. It could be anything, really. Healthcare, it could be anything. Pharm- pharmacies, anything. Um, uh, tobacco, we could do the tobacco industry. That might be sick. Uh, but yes, yeah, so that's our Monday newsletter. At, on Tuesday, the day after that, uh, we do a Twitter spaces starting at, Brandon, it's 8 p.m. Uh, Eastern. Yeah, 8 p.m. Eastern time. 8 p.m. Eastern, we start Twitter spaces. We just go for an hour or two hours, whatever it is. If the conversation's ripping, we'll keep it going. Uh, and then Friday, we put out our State of Bitcoin newsletter. That's uh, just a weekly wrap-up of everything that's happening in Bitcoin. And our Bitcoin podcast comes out that same morning. So that's what you're listening to right now. And then Friday afternoons, we do a Twitter Spaces on Bitcoin. It's a Bitcoin happy hour. We just shoot the shit with other Bitcoiners. It's typically co-hosted by BTC Gandalf, ourselves, uh, the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast, Joey and Len. And uh, Masa usually shows up. Masa's almost always there. So we can just include him as like, a, he's a co-host, right, Masa? And yeah, and then we have a bunch of people usually jump in and out. And it's a, it's a good time, man. Sometimes those things go for hours. And you can listen to me get progressively drunker through those two, which is always a fun time. But yeah, that's what we got. We got, now we've got, uh, oh, and then, and then for our Monday, 
I say we put out our stock uh, breakdown. The Sunday before that, we do our Sunday scary stock talk, which is a, uh, our other podcast episode. So, geez, Brandon, yes, yeah, Sunday we've got a podcast that comes out. Monday we've got a newsletter. Tuesday we've got a Twitter Spaces. Friday we've got a newsletter, a podcast, and a Twitter Spaces. What did I miss? Exactly. You didn't miss anything. <laughs> so uh, I'm proud of you. I thought you were going to miss the Sunday scary stock talk, but it's uh, one of my favorite. Yeah, ones. I mean. Yeah, man, we're, we're cranking out the content over here at GC. So, um, you know, we're trying to provide everything for you guys. And, uh, you know, be, be sure to you know, give us a five star review. Share, tell your friends to tell our friends uh, where we're trying out here to grow. And, uh, you know, your like and uh, five star rating and everything like that would be greatly appreciated. Hey, if you give us a five star review, maybe we'll start uh, reading them off. I don't think any Bitcoiners podcast ever reads any five star reviews ever. So, um, you know, if you want me to do that, I'll, I'll be more than happy to do that every every single podcast episode. So, um, yeah, that's it for me. Uh, I think that's it for you, Dan, too. So that's it from the boys at uh, Green Candle and State of Bitcoin. So keep on stacking those stats, baby. All right, we out. Yo, Brandon, where you at? We outside. Aha.